It's so interesting, Doctor. I look in your mind and I see what you're most afraid of. Your biggest fear isn't yourself. It's the destruction of other things. It's an obsession. You want to keep things alive. You want creatures to breathe and live. You want species and races to build. I look into your mind and your hearts, and I don't know why you want it so much. And I don't know why you're so afraid of the opposite. Do you? Life must win. But why? Why is it better? Why is what you fight for better than what we will bring? Because otherwise... Welcome back to Who and Company. It's episode 58. I'm Brent. And I'm Drew. It's a two-episode kind of December. As an early Christmas present, or a late November present, we're going to do a review of the just-finished season 13. And in two weeks, we'll have another episode with an awesome guest. And speaking of awesome guests, because we love a guest here at Who and Company, we've asked frequent contributor Eric Malinsky of Imaginary Worlds Podcast to share his thoughts. Did we like it? Could we follow it? And did it stick to landing? We discuss all things Flux and what Eric's been watching since we talked to him in April. And that's all coming up right after this. Do me a favor. Keep this safe. Somewhere deep within this TARDIS. Somewhere I can never find it. since our guest joined us to give us his thoughts on Series 12. Now he's back to discuss what he thought of Flux. Eric Malinsky, welcome back to Who and Company. Thank you for letting me know it's been eight months. I was trying to remember when I was on. I couldn't remember. It's I mean, the pandemic, it's like, who knows? Time is an illusion. Podcast time doubly so. Yeah. Well, in those eight months since we talked last, have you, have you been watching uh, Doctor Who or... More importantly, have you listening, been listening to Big Finish? Possibly even Colin Baker's Big Finish. Ah, yes. You recommended that. I'm not a huge fan. I'm sorry to say. I'm I'm just, I just really like the Tenant podcasts. I'm, I mean, the, the Big Finish stuff. I, I, the thing is, I just didn't, 
I didn't grow up with a classic who. So it's like, I, I, I don't feel like the, I don't know. I just don't feel a connection to the, um, to the, to the doctors from the classic era. Unfortunately, I don't, but I keep meaning to listen to Christopher Eccleston when he finally came back to do some Doctor Who big finish podcasts. And, uh, it's funny, I asked for them for my birthday and no one gave them to me. <laughs> and so I, I think I'm gonna ask for them for Christmas to see if someone actually gives them to me. But the digital downloads take up no space. That's actually one of the best things about them, though I am I'm such a collector of social, uh, social media, a collector of physical media. I, I do want mm. the physical discs so I can put them on a shelf and organize them. It's both. No, it was more just to pay collector. for them. I was just like, it was, it was yeah. such a, it's such a, it's such a holiday for me personally. It's kind of a holiday gift kind of thing. It's an extra mm-hmm. little, you know, I'm basically spending like, you know, however much money on a podcast in my mind, you know, you get audio dramas for free everywhere, but I'm going to spend basically what is it? 25, $30, $40. I forget how much is it to download, but anyway, it's more expensive but than a typical audio drama. Um, so yeah, I'm sorry to disappoint you about the Colin Baker. Although the guy that does the voice of Matt Smith is incredibly good. Yeah, um, yeah, he is. Uh... He doesn't do a very good Capaldi, but he does it. Apparently he does a Karen Gillan, which I'm afraid to listen to, but his Matt Smith <laughs> is perfect. Jacob Dudman is his name. Yeah. Yeah, he's great. Loads, as, yeah. He's great as Matt Smith, but I agree. He doesn't quite have Capaldi yet. Yeah, I think he's done some of the others too. I haven't listened to any of them. Um, I think the last thing I listened to that was coming out with with the new new series doctors was some uh tenant stuff with rose just the first season i I've, i haven't in fact now that i think about it i don't think i've reviewed a big finish audio in the entire 2021 which is a weird thing to think about yeah <laughs> tenant and john barrowman had apparently recorded a whole series together a sort of 10th doctor captain jack reunion and then when he got canceled um from all of Doctor Who, uh, that I guess just got shelved. It had been recorded, I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was about a month or two from coming out. So yeah, it was it was already done and dusted. Ugh, I was looking forward to that. Um, but oh well. Well, it's been eight months uh, since we talked about series twelve, and what I'm kind of curious about, and this is really for both of you, Brent. We we haven't discussed this, even though on our other podcasts we have sort of talked about flux uh, as it came along. But what, one of the things we haven't really discussed is what our expectations for series thirteen were. So going into series thirteen, what were you looking forward to? What were you hoping to see? What were you hoping not to see? After watching series 11 and 12, um, my expectations weren't very high, honestly. (laughs) Um, You know, 11 was okay, but it was really slow. Um, Not a lot of threat. You know, 12 was better, but still, to me, it wasn't really up to par. Uh, So, you know, whatever came, came. But I have to say, out of... Out of series thirteen, out of the six episodes, I I, I really liked the first five. It's just that last one was. Well, we'll get to that in a second. We'll get to that. Yeah, Eric, how about you? What do, what were you kind of hoping to see, or or maybe hoping you weren't going to see with uh, series thirteen? It's funny. I think with series eleven, we we're on the same page. I like series twelve a lot. I felt like 
the problems I had with series 11 were fixed for me uh, in terms of the villains, the pacing. My biggest problem, if anything, was was just, I mentioned this last time, was that the companions never really got enough time with the Doctor. Um, the bonding that I love that would happen with previous Doctors and companions, I didn't feel it here, you know, again in, ser in series 12. I felt like um, when Ryan left, it was like the most undramatic, like anticlimactic, you know, um, I kept saying her relationship to the three of them was like, I felt like it was like a high school coach's relationship to their team that <laughs> that's that that fall or spring, you know, like, uh, you know, go team. But then when they leave, it's like, oh, well, uh, which is so, so different from previous Doctors and Companions. But everything else I was really happy with the improvements of season 12 or series 12. And I, I so I was actually really looking forward to 13 for that reason, because you had one less companion. At least now we had two. Supposedly she and Yaz would have bonded more. And I, when I read that it was going to be one continuous story, uh, I was very intrigued. I thought that could be really interesting. I think that he, I think Chimnall said even before going into to 11 that he was going to do that, that he's like, oh, we have to compete now with Stranger Things and Star Trek Discovery and Doctor Who can't be so episodic. But then he went ahead and did something that was, I remember the series 11 was like one of the most episodic seasons of, of Doctor Who, I think in the modern era. Um Series 12, a little bit more, um, you know, a little bit more structured. So I was actually really looking forward to the season and uh, I was bitter, <laughs> bitterly disappointed. <laughs> I hated it, to be honest. I, I can't I can't wait to get into that. <laughs> um, you know, I looking back and listening to sort of what what I had said, what I was looking forward to. The, I think my main complaint, I, I feel the same. I really disliked Eleven. 12 I really did enjoy and I felt it was moving in the right direction what I really wanted was stories and characters that were worth making action figures out of and I figured mm. that's really what episode season 11 missed completely you other than the doctor and their companions there was no one and I guess Tim Shaw <laughs> visually interesting that you would make it and maybe a frog on a chair which I, I like that episode but Moving into series 12, I thought, okay, got some proper bad guys. Like the bad guys, you know, new master, very cool-looking Cybermen. I know they dipped back into the classic era with their creatures, but just it, it felt like I wanted kids to be able to, and adults who collect these things, to be able to put their hands on a figure and go, ooh, they were so cool in the show, I have to own them and put them on my shelf or put them in my toy box or... I wanted them, I wanted all fans to be able to see something on the shelf, think about the show, feel good about it enough that they wanted to continue those adventures at home. I think that's my distillation for what was wrong with Eleven, what made Twelve better, and I was really hoping that we would get more time with our characters, uh, making it all, you know, six, even though six episodes is really not that much time, um, is so that we would have a better connection to that. So that's what I was really, I was hoping for. Uh, and as far as hoping against, I was really hoping not to get more clunky exposition um, from Chibnall because I feel like it, I think Jodie Whittaker is an amazing actress, but the, the times that I would t be taken out of a story is when she would explain to the audience what just happened or what the showrunner wanted the audience to, they were telling and not showing, right? I think that was, that was the other thing that I, yeah. Going into it. 
I was going to say, I feel that way about the New Year's Dalek special, too. Uh, I think I talked to you. I think we talked to you. Yeah, I talked to you after. It was after the mm-hmm. the, the, the second Dalek special. And it was just, you know, politically, I'm, I'm not against what he's for. But, like, oh my God, stop beating me over the head with an anvil, you know, and explaining, you know, the, the, the message that you have. I mean, it's just that kind of writing was driving me crazy. So I was hoping for at least not more of that. Um, which yeah. I feel like only gives ammunition to the anti-woke, you know, kind of brigade of, you know, the people that, you know, the hashtag not my doctor people. I feel like you're only giving them ammunition when you handle storylines like that so clunkily. I don't yeah. even know if clunkily is a word, but I just <laughs> it is now. We, we, it is hey, now. We both understood exactly what you meant. Therefore, you have <laughs> used it correctly. <laughs> um, I, yeah, heavy handed is not the way to produce a television show unless that's specifically what you're trying to to do brent what didn't you want to see i was uh as we all know not a big fan of the whole timeless child (laughs) storyline and trying to rewrite history before hartnell but big bomb here bombshell uh i think it's starting to grow on me a little bit Um, I look back and I think, okay, well, you know, especially at the very end where she throws the watch down the TARDIS and she's like, okay, you know what? I don't, I don't want this. Uh, but if I need it, it's still there. It could be retrieved at any time, but she chose not to do anything with it. And I'm hoping that the show chooses not to do anything with it, but it shows that there is a past before Hartnell, but the fact that she doesn't remember any of it kind of makes it okay i guess it's a checkoff's gun of exposition yeah it is it is, it is if if someone in the future needs more exposition they've got it <laughs> and the really thing the, the only thing that it's cleared in the past was the morbius scene yeah and i think maybe that was something else i was looking forward to not seeing was more deep digs deep dives into doctor who's history i, I was really i think doctor who is better when it gives you all the ammunition you need right there in the story um but here's the thing we've all been on doctor who's social media we know that as soon as a new character shows up it's gonna be the ronnie it's gonna be susan it's gonna be the master <laughs> it's gonna be the white guardian it's gonna be somebody else and you know, it's like hey it may very well be sadly chibnall normally i would say no it can't be because new audiences aren't going to understand that and then chibnall went and did the the morbius doctor thing and it's sort of like the coat in um, Time of the Angels, right, where it's like, that was a mistake. Oh, no, we have to be paying attention because who knows what Moffat's going to do. Well, we have to pay attention because who knows where how deep Chibnall could potentially dig. So, yes, going into Series 13, there, there were those possibilities as well. Let's just get into Series 13. We've already kind of dipped our toes into it. So, Eric, did Series 13 meet your expectations? <laughs> oh, no. It started with the first episode. I, I mean, the first episode, the first season scene of the first episode. I just, I actually said out loud, these are the worst special effects I've seen in modern Doctor Who. How is this so bad? I just felt like the whole episode was animated on like somebody's home computer, and I think it was. Um, my big issue was like, if you have a limited budget and you are also limited by COVID and the pandemic and you only get six episodes, I know that Chibnall is so proud of the fact that he's just like, you know, sure, we could have gone small, but we decided to go to the biggest, grandest thing ever. And I'm just like, you stretched yourself so thin that you didn't do any. I mean, it was also honestly, I thought it was some of the worst alien makeup I'd ever seen, too, in the modern era, frankly. Um 
I mean, okay, maybe not the worst CGI. There's some pretty awful. I remember like the fairies and Torchwood were like laugh out loud bad. But anyway, um, like when they were just starting to do CGI. But um, it's just it's the franticness of it drove me nuts. Like, do you know uh, Bo Burnham has that amazing special um, that he just did? And he's got this song about the Internet. And one of the lines is, can I interest you in a little bit of everything all of the time? Which is supposed to be the Internet talking to you. And somebody was using that as a gif and just said, like, Chris Chibnall writing. <laughs> and I was like, yes, that's how I, I feel. I mean, I just got so, I feel like just throwing so much stuff in there and not developing any of it. And that's the frantic franticness of it was supposed to make me excited and supposed to make me feel like, boy, this is so epic. And I'm just I, it just was like, I you're not giving me a chance to care about anybody. She also like how much time did she even spend with Dan, her new companion, supposedly five minutes? I mean, it's like, you know, talk about like not the characters not spending time or getting to know each other. It's just the franticness of the entire mini season drove me nuts. It just like I was so annoyed with it. Um, the only episode I really liked was the the Angels. The um, uh, yeah, the Angels episode was good. It was because it was focused. It was just a single episode. And I thought that. He's done a good job in each season of tweaking the the classic, well, it's now now a classic, the angels, and make them a little scarier, the classic monsters. Find a new way to make them scary. And I thought the way that, like, you think of an angel and they appear, you know, through the phone or through the, the piece of paper, the drawing, or a thought in your head, like, and her turning into the angel was awesome. But the rest of it I just thought was just, I was just, yeah, anyway. I'll stop talking. Um, the, okay, one more thing. Yes, please. <laughs> I, I also, I did a whole episode about how much I hate when the a villain in any sci-fi fantasy thing has an evil plan that I don't understand because I cannot root for the hero to stop the evil plan if I don't get the evil plan. And I was so confused about the flux and what the division was trying to, what, what it is they exactly wanted to accomplish. And then... Flux, well, Flux himself, or Swarm, or what? The I, I, I kept calling them the day, the 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 um Day of the Dead people because they they look like they're <laughs> they look like they're going to a Day of the Dead celebration. Then they just threw some rock candy on their heads, and I just kept calling them the Day of the Dead people. I just I still am so confused what exactly their evil plan was. I'm just so I just. Uh, Anyway, Brent, you want to jump in there and explain their evil plan? <laughs> <laughs> Please that do. Was, I didn't understand that either, really. Um, oh, you guys didn't get it? I mean, so time's <laughs> an abstract concept, and space is both an abstract concept, but they're at war with each other, and mm. those Ravagers were on one of the sides, and... No, I didn't get it either. I mean, <laughs> it, it felt like Technobabble... And I was sort of like, well, maybe they'll explain it later. And they didn't. And and Eric, I, I got to say, I I understand all arguments against Flux. Uh, and I definitely agree with you that the first 10 minutes of episode one was possible. I, I thought we were in real trouble because the CGI was so bad. I will also say that I thought the rest of the CGI for all five and a half episodes following that were actually quite good i think it was one of the best doctor who looked um because it was they didn't go overboard i mean a lot of spaceships in the air is a very easy thing for cgi to do 
swirling clouds very easy thing to do the backgrounds i think were, were they don't think they stretch themselves but that first opening my goodness terrible um i really enjoyed the ride for the first four episodes we we, we kept on talking like i don't understand what's going on but my hope is in the last two episodes when everything you know like usually when you're looking at a story and it's one of those out of sequence stories usually when it starts to distill towards the end and things start falling into place i had my fingers crossed i was very optimistic about it and then about halfway through actually really episode five but really in the first 10 minutes of episode six i realized we were not going to get a satisfactory ending and i felt real cheated um i never expected a satisfactory ending there was no way i gotta say the one thing i actually really did like it's funny that brendan liked the the sixth episode because I feel like the one thing I really liked about that episode that I thought was so ingenious was splitting the Doctor into three. Mm-hmm. I thought that was, and Jodie Whittaker was wonderful in that whole, th- I love when she was flirting with herself, it was hilarious. <laughs> and uh, that was to me, that that saved that whole episode, that whole bit for me. I will go at another rant here in a second, but Brent, please jump in if you've got anything you want to say. Well, I, yeah, I like that part too about the entries. But as you were saying, um, I think the reason I enjoyed most of this season was, yes, he he had too many, um, what's the cliche I want to use here? Too many irons in the fire, too many lit fuses, too many, you know, he had too many storylines going on. And he, he should have cut that in half, I think, and, and focused a bit more on each one and gave us more time with each one. But at the time it was on, I was trying to keep up with everything that was going on. And it gave you a lot of talking points to talk with other people about. And it got you excited to talk about Doctor Who again, which hasn't happened in, in a while. And so then the second episode comes along and here's something else and you talk about that. Okay, well, let's see how this is all going to tie up in the future. And then the third and the fourth, especially the fourth, that Angels one, by far and away the best one. It was so good. Uh, but yeah, like you said, in five, I started to think that things were going to start to come together and he added one or two more storylines. I'm like, what are you doing <laughs> with the whole unit thing and, and all that? Just throwing in at the end. Oh, right. Uh, I forgot about the evil snake guy. Yeah. And his terrible CGI snake that was killing people. Yeah. And, just... and you know, there were some really good things about this series. Like, I, I did like uh, the Grand Serpent. I thought he was a great villain that just didn't really do anything with him. And, and Azure and um, Swarm. They were great, but I didn't understand what they were doing there. Or I wasn't satisfied with their ending either. You know, and then oh, surprise, Tech Taeyun is back. Oh, she's dead. <laughs> you know, I know. So, that was such what? an interesting possibility. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm really your mother, you know, to so speak. Oh my gosh, you know, what's that relationship gonna be like? <laughs> <laughs> it's like I was the I was the person covering my face behind Timothy Dalton at the end of time with with David Tennant. Yeah, I thought about that today. I'd like to go back and watch that again and and I mean, see if it yeah. links up. I'm well, sure it doesn't. It's, well, everyone was saying potentially that was going to be the Doctor's mother, and then the last thing you see is her doing the the angel face, the angel hands thing. It's like, well, what's the connection between the Doctor's mother and angel face? Uh, and then Chibnall went, well, I'll just check off that list that'll clear things oh no it didn't okay so uh i think that this 
there were some of the best ideas that I've seen in Doctor Who um, in this if had he not done the interwoven story. I think this there were six solid story ideas which I when I I have been over the last couple of days been piecing all the bits from all six episodes and figuring out where if you had just removed the flux as that interwoven narrative what the stories would be uh, and I I think I'm getting more and more disappointed with this series because the unit origin story with the Grand Serpent traveling through time, you know he's just doing it all in a day, even though we don't never explained how he's doing it. I don't think he's been alive all this time. They're like, well, you never age. He's like, you know he's just popping back, changing wardrobe, and jumping back in, uh, you know, wearing one of uh, these berets. I get myself a, a unit cap at uh, the last Doctor <laughs> Who convention I went to. Anyway. Oh, um, wow. Yes. Nerd. Um... Uh, I think the angels. I think the angels won. And I and I've told Brent this, and I've mentioned this on another podcast. If this had been a six-parter, if you could, you could have stretched the village of the angels into a six-parter, and I would have eaten that up. I mean, that's that is a Twin Peaks level story that had me so fascinated. It made me forget about the flux. I was so in, in enamored with what was being seen. And and Eric, you mentioned this too about kind of changing the mythology of the angels. One of the coolest moments in that Angels episode, and there were many of them, completely went not only unnoticed but unused. It was the setup of the psychic registry device mm-hmm. making the shape of image of an angel. It was in their mind in such a way that it made the shape, but we never see that angel come off the page. And that would have been chef's kiss. <laughs> that would have been the most amazing cliffhanger. And I think that that was originally written to be the cliffhanger for like end of episode one, beginning of episode two of a two part angel story. Anyway, there's so much, there was so much thrown at the wall that I think was really clever and really interesting. But I think the addition of the flux trying to weave them together in the same way that, that Moffat wove the monks three parter from series 10, just kind of, uh, you know, it's the gestalt of it. It's the, sum of its parts was much better than the actual, final product so mm. but Brent is right I will say this uh, I haven't had that much fun with the Doctor Who fan community on social media in years trying to figure out what's going to happen next and talking about it and doing the reviews that was a real high point for me especially after the last two years we're not being able to go out and see people and not meeting up with Doctor Who groups and going to conventions uh, that the buzz that was kind of going around the community online was really fun. I, I forgot the name of it, but there was a uh, there was a series on CBS. It was a summer series, and it was like maybe ten, fifteen years ago. Harper's Island, I think, is what it was called, or something like that. And it was a mystery. It was a murder mystery. And every week, you got more clues as to who's doing this. And it was it wasn't long. It was maybe six weeks maybe eight at the most and it was it was fun to watch it every week and then you know if you are a nerd like me sometimes and want to take notes <laughs> oh look at the new clues we got this week let's add that who is who could it be this time and then the next week you do the same thing and you're trying to figure out what's going on it was like that this year every every week you got very excited about more that you learned and and how that was all going to come together and then it 
it didn't. So that's why I didn't like the last one. Yeah. So you you guys are, are are way more. I mean, I literally just look at what's trending on Twitter, or I'll just look in hashtag Doctor Who Flux and see what pops up. So you guys are way more um, have your thumb on the pulse of that. Uh, and also in, in and also the last podcast you're on with the other two British hosts. I'm curious, what was the general um, feedback you saw about this about the, among the fans in the end after the six episodes were over with? Was it generally positive? I have seen very few middle-of-the-road comments. Ah. Everyone either really loved it or really hated it. Stephanie, my assistant producer, of you know from people listening to the podcast, loved it. Mm-hmm. And it also reminded her of Doctor Who in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, it just she, she just kept saying, like, this is what Doctor Who always felt like to me when I would watch the Sylvester McCoy era. You know what? did have a Sylvester McCoy era feel yeah. to it. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's it's very McCoy m- almost more than anything else. Uh, on our podcast that we've been doing, we've been doing reviews, and a couple of our co-hosts have kids, and they have been interviewing their children about it. And the kids have, on the whole, really liked it. I don't think they got half of what was happening, and I don't think it mattered to them. Um, and that makes me really happy because I would much rather them enjoy it than me enjoy it. I, I mean, I want to enjoy it, but like, you know, in, for, in order for Doctor Who to continue going, it's not about how much I love it. It's really about the younger audiences. Um, yeah. Yeah. But that's that the makes thing, a lot of that, sense. But there's a lot of people who, who have liked it. I think the problem is, as podcasters who review episodes as they go out, and as someone who puts together stories and has to put together story threads in order to make good podcasting, because you make good podcasting, we are going to be far more critical of this show that we love or hate uh, than I think your average viewer. And I kept on thinking, how is the average viewer watching this? It seems like it's just chaos. I don't think there is an average viewer for this kind of show anymore. I don't think it's a, it's it's a long ways from the day when Doctor Who I think was a bit more mainstream and people could pop in. I think it has become it's gone back to becoming such a cult show at this point that like I don't think anyone is probably just kind of gently tuning in. You know, they they know it's a six week burst of the flux. Like they're I, I feel like if you're watching this six part series, you are you're in it. <laughs> like I don't, but the numbers I, yeah. aren't backing that up. The numbers are not ridiculously low. It's it's not representative of what you would think a niche audience would be. People in the UK are watching it before or after whatever the popular show is. And, hmm. you know, it's a weird thing to have it on a Sunday night. Like the Switch, uh, having gone recently to a Doctor Who convention, I got to say not being able to watch Doctor Who at the convention because normally you're, you're there overnight on a Saturday. That was a real bummer. But, I mean, you know, audiences, the numbers may be lower than they have been traditionally in the past, but not by halves, which would make you think that, like, just the fans are, or, or mm. niche audiences are watching it. Well, what are the course, numbers in the UK? Fives and sixes, fours, high fours, medium fives, I think. Oh, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. That's around yeah. the... It's around the four million for the most part. Yeah, four, oh, four and a half. Okay. Well, well, I mean, what do I know? I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm but, like, just, I'm guessing. But you know, but yeah. Yeah, but the other thing too is the way we watch television has changed. Like, you know, 
I try to get the show right after it airs in the UK to get the UK version of it where there are no commercial breaks uh, and, you know, it's being sent over so that we can review it for the podcast. But there were days that I, before it could come on Apple iTunes, uh, iTunes, I think episode three or episode four, it went out on a Sunday night. We didn't get it until Tuesday or Wednesday. Really? Uh, yeah. And like, how does that skew the viewing? Like, I still don't understand how the internet works. I mean, I'm sure they've, by now they've probably figured that in. Your numbers are probably going to take a full week to collate, but I don't know. Uh, it's the numbers are not as important to me, but there are many podcasts where the numbers are very important and, and they have talked about how there is still an audience for it. And it could be that some, just one, one person in the household is watching while everyone else goes and does something else before the dancing show comes on. But mm-hmm. yeah, I know. I mean, I'm, some people really loved it, loved it. And they're really bummed that Jody's leaving, which again, I'm bummed Jody's leaving too, but I am uh, too. I mean, I, I was, I was, I really liked season series 12 and I, I felt even series 11, she was the best part of it. I just felt like it could have improved in every way except for her. Uh, yeah. I mean, I went so far as to say, I think that she, her portrayal of the doctor might be my favorite after tenant in the modern era. Mm. Um, but, but that, but, but I'm totally separating that from the quality of the writing. I feel like, she, you know, I kept thinking about the dinosaurs on a spaceship episode. You know, like which Chibnall wrote, and it just like that. I keep calling it that dinosaurs on the spaceship thing. This sort of like you know, the everything in the kitchen sink is just anyway. But yeah, to me, I, I separate in my mind her version of the Doctor, which I love, versus how that's been handled story wise. Um, the Timeless Child, I want to kind of go back to because I think that's Please. that's also very divisive because I actually really like the Timeless Child. I think it's a really interesting the idea that Doctor Who, you know, that even from the Doctor themselves, who they are is a mystery. I think is interesting, but I started getting nervous as the show was going, as this season was going on. I was like, are they going to come up with some really awful like <laughs> revelation that I'm going to hate that I think is really trite? Um, they didn't really, in fact, nothing really kind of got revealed in the end, except that there's now this, this pocket watch, you know, the, um, I forget what you call those in Canon, but you know, the, the pocket watch of memory. Yes. The fog oh, of memory. Oh, 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 I see. You mean the, um, the chameleon arch? Yes. Is that what, that's right. the chameleon yes. arch from, um, yes. Family of Blood? Yes. Oh, it's one of my favorite episodes. I so love good, that Paul. two-parter. It's amazing. The, have you read, I, I don't know if you read Doctor Who books, but that was originally a, a novelization for The Seventh Doctor, written by Paul Cornell. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great read. It's a fantastic read. It's a very different story, but the the bones are still there. Um, Eric, are you familiar with uh, the comic writer Dan Slott? Uh, the name sounds familiar. So he is, I think, I think he's the longest runner on Amazing Spider-Man, so Into the Spider-Verse is based off of his comics, and he's a huge Doctor Who fan. He is one of, like, Dan, if you're listening to this, uh, we'd love to have you on. I've told him as much. Um, Someone asked him recently, within the last year, if he were to write for, if he would want to write for Doctor Who. And he's like, well, you know, I have an exclusivity contract with Marvel. So the answer is yes, but it probably will never happen. And I said, well, what would you do? And he goes, oh, I have the whole season planned out. If I were to write a whole season of Doctor Who, here's the overarching story arc. And th- you're ready for this because this is brilliant and you just hit on it. Yeah. Season The season before, the Doctor and the Master are locked in combat. Doesn't matter who the Doctor is, doesn't matter who the Master is, right? Like, it, and it could be any actors. They're locked in combat. There's a huge explosion. 
and they both die. End of that season. Beginning of Dan Slott's season. They have regenerated. But because two Time Lords have regenerated right next to each other, the re... what are they calling it? Regeneration energy or whatever has mixed somehow. And you know that memory thing that you get, you know, like happens to them where they're a little confused at first? They can't remember which one of them is the Doctor and which one is the Master. Oh. And neither does the audience. And so for the season, it would be the Master and the Doctor trying to figure out just what the title says, Doctor Who. And I think that is brilliant, and it would be an exploration of who the Doctor is and who the Master is of characters, and it would kind of play into that Shulka Doctor single episode we got with Richard E. Grant with the animated series before the show came back on. And, you know, he, he's explaining this over, like, I don't know, it was a convention panel or video chat, and, like, just everyone's jaws were like, because I think that would be brilliant. I think that would be... I would be so there for that season of Doctor Who. It could be six episodes and it would be perfect. I was going to say six episodes, that's about right. But I would, yeah, I'm yeah. like uh, on the edge of my seat already just hearing that pitch. Yeah. 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 If you haven't read Dan Slott's and Mike Allred's Silver Surfer run, which is essentially his ode to his love of Doctor Who, hmm. get it digitally and read it and just enjoy because it's it's designed to be read by fam it's family friendly it's big cosmic space opera it's weird science techno babble and and diddly trinkets and stuff that's so good it's so good he's he's such a he's a treasure he's a national treasure It sounds like your ranking is series 12, series 11, series 13. Yeah, I hate to say it. Mm -hmm. I kind of hate, hate to say it because uh, I wasn't in f mad at <laughs> series 11. I was just <laughs> underwhelmed by it. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, we'll see what happens the next, the, the nearest special. We finally have Yaz, Dan, and, and the Doctor together having a simple suppose well who knows i doubt it's simple but a confined adventure i mean i'm intrigued to see what happens with yaz and um but yeah i think i i think i unfortunately i don't know it's hard to say well you know having was, having said that what could chibnall have done to make the series better this year oh i'd say cut out half the storylines and half the characters and just focus <laughs> that's my that would be my issue all right what do you cut out you suddenly you have the time you have the tardis all you right. have the ability to cut out some storylines and enhance other ones. The couple that were separated. See, I don't even mm -hmm. remember anyone's names because there's so many Vinder characters. Vinder and Bell. Vinder and Bell. Like the actors, um, but uh, yeah, cut that storyline completely. Um, Grand Serpent, I don't understand what the purpose of him was, except that that's how the, I mean, you, you couldn't come up with some other reason as to how the Santarans, you know, took over. I feel like get rid of that. I mean, if you want to bring Kate Stewart, that's awesome, but figure out another way. Um, the God, the lead up to the guy in 1800s Liverpool with the 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 tunnels, like have him just. I mean, Jesus, I I I don't know. Have him there less. <laughs> um, 
already he was barely you know, in there to, to start he was with. barely in there to begin with joseph um, williamson yeah did did he did flux even need a partner i don't know i mean it was sort of like you had to then explain how she came about i guess you could um i guess you you kind of needed a couple but i don't know um i think we've are i think in my mind i've already kind of started to slash things a little bit i think mm-hmm. i would also um the whole thing of i like that dan and um and yes and the other guy whose name i forgot uh sure. ignatius jericho yes damn good job um i like that they were stuck in time but that became the longest literal shaggy dog story that ended with <laughs> call your dad dog or fetch your dog that was the longest freaking shaggy dog story like that why did they have to go all around the world that was also very blue screeny too a lot of mm-hmm. that um that could have been like severely cut down um or trimmed and then just more i just you know i just really wanted more bonding with the doctor yaz and this new companion dan a little bit more i think they actually did a pretty decent job setting up who dan was so they're very efficiently did that and he's very charming and then also just more of a sense of like swarm and um again i keep forgetting the names the woman with the hat azure? no i don't need azure I, i've cut her from this version um oh, the, gotcha, gotcha. the uh the woman with the hat who is the doctor's quote-unquote mother who's oh, Tech Tayun. yeah Though, that's those are two potentially fascinating stories yeah. in terms of again what is the doctor's relationship to these characters mm-hmm. and what are their plans like you've cleared all this other stuff out so that now we at least have just just more sense of like what do they want how do their plans are evil two different competing evil plans um i mean i think i'm probably trimming down the Santarans a little bit too uh, also, not a fan of the redesign of the Suntarans. I know he wanted to make them look more like they did in the '70s, but I, I, not a fan of that. Uh, I thought that they they looked fine before this, the, the Chibnall era, uh, the way they're reintroduced in the Tenant era. So that would be my thing. I would just be like, I, I want to focus on those. I mean, already we're talking about five characters. That's a lot. The Doctor, two companions, and two villains. That is yeah. a lot. You know, yeah. and also, why are we throwing the Daleks in there? Why are we throwing the Cybermen in there? It was just well, like you have kinda... to have them to absorb the power of the flux because clearly throwing planets <laughs> and entire universes wasn't enough to stop them. But those ships, that's going to stop the flux dead. Yeah, my eyes have glazed over. <laughs> <laughs> Mine are rolling. Yeah, the dog is fine. He's. <laughs> Oh, no, <laughs> keep I, the dog. I actually Kavar. quite like I, I, I light Carvanista quite a bit i didn't like him at first because I, I had my doubts about the costuming and then i went this is doctor who if my complaint is the costuming then i'm watching the wrong show um <laughs> I yeah sort of, i can't yeah i went with the silliness of him at first i was like you are kidding me and then i was just like all right this is great i kind of um, and, and he's so goddamn serious too i was just yeah. like that's the only way to play this character is just yeah. dead serious. I loved well, Carvanista. He he reminded me of uh, a mixture of Han Solo and Chewbacca. <laughs> right. And I think that's sort of the point, right? Like yeah. the the final shot in episode six of Carvanista and Vinder and Bell, it was Ray um 
Han Solo, Chewbacca, and then a couple of other Star Wars characters. You know, there's a moment where their ship flies up and shoots the 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 communication satellite for, and it's like basically it's like, all right, kid, you know, whatever, all clear, kid. Now blow mm-hmm. this joint and let's go home or whatever. It's. I'm sorry, I'm <laughs> misquoting Star Wars, the film that I should know by heart, but you know, it's been a while, folks. Well, I had the um, screen wipes in the last episode too, so you know. Did they really have screen wipes, Eric? If you want to hear something telling. Uh, even though I have reviewed this podcast, uh, reviewed this series a lot more than I have a, a lot of other Doctor Who recently, I have not gone back and watched a single episode, rewatched a single episode of any of Jodie Whittaker's series in the last, with the exception of when I'm about to write an article or do a podcast. I've never. Well, we talked last time that I actually have. Time. I've I've yeah. enjoyed going back and watching some of the episodes, at least between episodes series twelve and thirteen. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So you guys, I am sure, discussed this, but I haven't discussed this with you. What do you think about Davies coming back? It's a weird thing because I think if you had asked me what I really wanted from the next showrunner, it would have been someone who was a fan of the early, like who grew, not grew up watching the new series, but you know, someone who came to the new series as an adult and was still a fan, and who could take the love of what they liked about the new series and regenerate the new series versus what they loved about the old classic series and try to shoehorn that into the new series. You know, really make 2005 up. I wanted uh, someone younger with a a sensibility of how film is being made and how television is being made today. So possibly less episodic and more overarching storylines or writer's room style where you really have a feel across the board i'm thinking of the good place and i don't know if you ever listened to the good place the podcast where every single episode they talk about they bring on a writer a director an actor and someone from the props or art department and they talk about each episode episode by episode i think it's one of the best shows i've seen ever um in general Mm -hmm. um but they talk about how every single member of the cast and crew was so excited to do The Good Place. They were all fans of the show. They all went the extra mile. They all went in, but it was everyone was kind of on the same page and working together to make the best possible show they could. I want that for Doctor Who because I think the fan base is out there. And I think a younger person could have done it. That being said, if they're going to go the middle-aged white man old classic fan route, I think Davies is a it's a pretty good choice because I like the show under Davies. And I think while it's not going to reinvent the show for the next 10 years, I think it's going to give it a boost in the arm until they find that that next good showrunner. So that's my... I agree 100% with everything you said. Two cents. I think the one thing I would add is that I'm a little concerned because I've gotten excited before in other TV shows where an old showrunner who I loved comes back after a long absence and it's not the same. Mm-hmm. And they've gotten rusty or they're slightly out of touch. I mean, I'm very glad that he's continued making television. You know, he's it's not like, you know, he's come out of retirement or anything. I mean, right. he's, you know, he's, he's and he's made goods television as well. So that gives me hope. Um, but um, I'm a little wary, you know. I was very excited when Chris Carter came back to the X Files, and oi, <laughs> and whenever that was, 2016 or 2017. Well, I thought RTD was was 
very good, you know, when he was on the first time. And he went over the top a little bit here and there. But, I mean, overall, I thought he was great. And he he was the perfect person to bring the show back and introduce it to an entirely new audience. So, knowing that he's coming back, knowing that in between the time he left and the time he's coming back, he's written a lot more shows that have won several awards... He's, you know, I feel like maybe he's gotten a lot better as a writer. So I'm kind of excited now that he's taken a break for, you know, 10 or whatever many years to come back and do something different. I'm, I'm excited to see what that is. Yeah. I'm, I'm really bummed to say that I haven't seen any of his new stuff. It just isn't on the agenda. I don't know if I actually will get around to watching it. Um, but from all accounts, it's all really good. And like you said, Brendan wins awards. So it's not like, again, it's not like he's fallen off the map and he's just kind of clawing his way back to his glory days. I think uh, my hope is it's not going to feel like the same RTD, right? No. I, I think it's. I think he's going to come back at it. And I think he's going to, you know... And we all, he's coming back to showrunner. doesn't mean he's going to be writing every episode. doesn't mean he's going to be bringing back the same directors. A lot could change. I'm, yeah. I, I'm hopeful. I'm, and that's the thing, too, is I'm hopeful for it. Um, so we've got a New Year's special, New Year's Day special, and two specials following at some point in time, but we don't have specified dates. Uh, well, I'm very curious, guys. What do you want to see? we got three episodes left with Chibnall and Whitaker. What do you want to see out of that? Like, what are you hoping to see? Uh, you know, I, I, I would love I love them to stick the landing with the relationship with her I mean, she's getting to know Dan, but the relationship with her and Yaz, I want it to feel like the, you know, like, I mean, I mean, 10 had great, I mean, 10 and Rose, 10 and Donna, 11 and the Pawns um, was a great relationship, not a fan of Clara, uh, 12 and Bill, like, I mean, there's just some like great relationships where like I could go on and on and on to describe what that doctor and what that companion meant to each other. Um, and I, I, I want them to try and stick the landing with that. Definitely um, more master. And I would love to have a, a slightly more satisfying resolution to, um, I know that she's they've taken the um, chameleon arch and put it into, you know, uh, deep into the TARDIS. Uh, I, I don't actually necessarily want to see that go away. I, th I think there's some interesting stuff with the division. Certainly um, the Dr. Doctor Ruth, as everybody, some people call her. Uh, <laughs> I want, I want her to come back, definitely. Um, so I guess I'm just, you know, I just want much more satisfying character moments for me. Is is how I feel, and and I'm 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 actually quite intrigued by this doctor's obsession with uh, finding out the answer to her identity uh, and the shock of that, and it's it's become kind of the defining feature of this doctor, um, basically. Um, and, and there was an absolute shift in Jodie Whittaker's performance as this doctor, as a 13th doctor, from the moment she found that beforehand, she was much more kind of carefree and fun-loving and wacky. And then, I mean, she went from like Smith to Capaldi after that. And I liked that shift. I thought it was super interesting. And that's why I, 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 I would like to, there, I, I would like the 13th doctor to have an emotionally satisfying conclusion, uh, for her to that storyline doesn't have to wrap everything up with a with the bow but but i'd like i'd like to see that more brent what have you i would like to see more dan i felt like we haven't really gotten a whole lot of him he's just kind of been there um they started to develop him at the first of flux and then it, he was just kind of 
hanging around the rest of the episodes, I thought. Um, I'm interested to see what's going to take 13 out. <laughs> I, I think it's going to be some kind of really big epic story because it is... The BBC uh, specifically asked them to make a story for their 100th anniversary. So I think it's going to be something special, I hope. Maybe she'll go back to the founding of the BBC. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that would be so funny where you just see Whitaker running off with all these tapes that say uh, Marco Polo on them. <laughs> or, uh, yeah. I, I agree 100%, Eric, about the character development. It would be really, what I want to see is an episode where the Doctor and Yaz don't, at the very, like, five minutes into it, split and then not get back together until the very end of the episode because that is a thing that Chibnall does every single story. There isn't any time for them to do anything. Yaz spent more time. The reason that we have a third companion or second companion is so that Yaz, a la Dinosaurs on a Spaceship, can play the Doctor and have uh, companions of her own. Like That's why we get uh, Jericho, right? Like it's if, if Dan and Jericho hadn't been there, it would have just been Yaz traveling the world uh, for no real good reason yeah. other than pulp adventure yeah i was gonna say my biggest concern though about davies i want to mention because i i also i realized i skipped over martha when i was mentioning all the different companions and the reason why is because i think it was the unfortunately the cringiest example of his obsession with everybody being in love with the doctor and having a crush on the doctor and uh i really hope he puts that aside and doesn't revive that again because it just got problematic and kind of cringy after a while I Even agree. though it had some, it had some great moments early on. I agree. That's why I love Donna so much because she was so opposite. Yeah. She was not having it, mm-hmm. the Doctor, and and I thought it made them a better team. Uh, I think if Davies is going to bring back, and, and I don't think he should, but if he's going to bring back any one character from his era, it, as is his want, I would hope it would be Martha. Um, I would love to see Martha be. Like to see where Martha has gone, minus Mickey. Uh, <laughs> you want to break up that marriage? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. Because well, I don't, I don't want to see Noel Clark on the show. So oh I, right, yeah, 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 oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, um, but I think I think Martha's one of my favorite companions, even though they did her wrong. The fact that she's one of the few companions who left of her own accord, uh, who went off and did great things who was very competent. I was just, you know, my fanfic in my heart somewhere, there's a story out there, I'm sure, where um, Martha runs into um, Rory, and they have just a conversation about medical care throughout time. Like, and like, and like traveling through, the, like both of them having a legit conversation about, oh, would you visit this planet where they actually, the leeches are useful? Oh, really? Well, you know, like something like that, where like, I think it would be very cool to see a woman who has basically like, you know, the threat comes to the planet. The doctor can't do it. The last moment, Kate Lethbridge Stewart shows up, and then Martha's right there next to her. Like I would, I would watch that. I would be very excited about that. You brought her up. I think you're right. I think that he needs to atone for his sins. But I also know the thing that I preach most against Doctor Who fans is if you didn't like something or you like something from the past, doesn't mean you have to bring it into the future. So if they were, that's my vote. Um, but as far as things I want to see, I just want to see more character development. I want to be able to, when the Doctor leaves, I want to be able to say, I liked that pairing. Uh, I like that Doctor. I want to be able to say that um, 
Whitaker's time on the show was not just a way to advance future plots for future doctors, but, but she had her own, you know, her worth as a doctor, as a character, as a as a part in the history, you know, not to be a Minerva. Um, yeah, and I really hope the Daleks don't kill her because I just... Oh, that's no, she'll do something. Oh, God, no. Yeah. I'm sure it'll be some heroic thing or some like she's... Yeah. I, I, I mean, I do, I don't know. I'm going back to the obsessional thing. I think it'd be super interesting if her, although no, they've, they've kind of resolved that where she put the watch in there and says, you know, I don't want it until maybe I do. But if the master starts to really taunt her with it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think, I think I, I just like seeing the doctor brought to a very uncomfortable place, you know, similar to the idea of the doctor and the master, not knowing who the other one, which one they are. I just think it could bring, it brings her to to because I feel like the the doctor, you know, the doctor always knows everything is the the ultimate know it all. And I feel like what is so interesting to me about the timeless child is to put the doctor in the in the situation where they're not, where mm-hmm. where it in a drive and it, and it really eats at them, you know. Yeah. So that's why I think there's there is interesting possibilities there. So and, but yeah, you're right. There's only two two episodes left beyond this Dalek one, which seems to be standalone. I- personally don't need a resolution to the timeless child or division because i'd like both of those ideas and i want to see them moving forward um yes i love I the idea that you can now tell pre-hartnell doctor stories and post whitaker's sto- doctor stories you could have any actor play the doctor from the past and future you can have multiple doctor stories by doctors that you haven't even met yet. So, you know, everyone's like, well, are you going to recast Troughton the same way you recast Hartnell? You don't have to. Now we have this, I mean, think this is the legacy. Now anyone could be the doctor mm-hmm. at any point in time. And I think that's really exciting because it allows you to create stories that could go anywhere. So, uh, yeah, I think it's pretty brilliant. Before we let you go, Eric, because we do frequently talk about television programs that aren't Doctor Who, what have you been watching the last eight months that you could recommend to us? So last time it was French French uh, television, right? Uh, the Call My Agent. Are you still watching that? Oh, no, I binged through the whole thing. So, Although they're coming back, apparently. Um, you know, I think after that, uh, you know, I think like everybody else, uh, I got sucked into the Disney Plus Marvel Star Wars shows. Um, uh, let's see... What have I? I know there's got to be stuff I love that, and I should have been prepared for this question. It's like you devour this stuff, and then you, um, and then you forget it. I mean, I'm watching the Beatles documentary now, um, which is kind of fascinating. Um, let me think of something that I've been watching. Um, the Great, The Great's back. You ever watch The Great? We're about four or five episodes into the first season, so The Great and Hawkeye are the two shows that we're watching right now. The Great is fabulous i what love the great what is it it yeah. is it's the story of catherine the great sort of uh l fanning is catherine the great um as a young woman coming to marry uh peter um in this in this version it's the son of peter the great although really he was the grandson of peter the great but what's so fun about it is that the language is wildly anachronistic they they curse like sailors and 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 use just incredibly anachronistic modern language and yet it is still very much set in its time it is hilarious and dark and nicholas holt is you know who has always played very nice characters is the most 
hilarious son of a bitch of just a horrible, shallow, cruel, egotistical man who who you just cannot help but like because he's so charming in that role. Al Fanning is great. And it's, I mean, talk about, it is kind of an imaginary world because it, it's like they've just constructed this whole very weird kind of world that, you know, and I remember at one point they, they start meeting other world leaders, you know, basically, or like, I think they end up meeting like the king of Sweden or something like that. And it's still like the same thing, you know, like it's almost like that same weird tone that they've established in this world you realize exists everywhere. You know, you go to any part of, you know, 18th century, um, you know, Europe and they're all talking like this. It's Sofia Coppola's. It's Sofia Coppola's and Marie Antoinette um, done with Russians' history. Uh, if if you ever saw, like you know, Marie Antoinette's walking through the hallways wearing Chuck Taylors, and you're just yeah. kind of like going, "Wait, what?" And like their con- the the language. Is it a comedy? Yes, it, but it's a dark comedy. Yeah. Um, okay. Brent, have you watched Black Adder? Yeah. Yeah. So Black Adder season three where um, Hugh Laurie is the Prince Regent. He's he's uh, George's kid. So imagine his, but less stupid and more of a bastard um, uh, with nudity and a lot of profanity. And that's sort <laughs> of what you're getting with, with Peter the... Peter the... He's, he's, as far as I'm concerned, in, in series, he hasn't come up with his what his uh, adjective is. He's trying yeah. to. He really wants to be Peter the something, and uh, it's not working out for him all that great. It's actually kind of a fascinating story about power, too, in the end. Mm-hmm. it's I feel like it is as good a commentary about the nature of power as Game of Thrones was before it went off the rails. Um, I think it's, it's super fast. And season two is like, a lot has changed since season one, but it is still just as strong. And it's just that mm. writing to be just to get back into that that world again is just so refreshing. It's been a long time since season one came out, um, and it's just it's just like delightful and delicious <laughs> to get back yeah, into. Yeah, as soon as they announced season two, we're like, let's let's start with season one, and then we can just go right into season two if we like it. So. Oh yeah, it's very easy. It's an easy transition. Yeah, I re- Brent recommend it. The way you described it reminded me of that um, medieval comedy, musical comedy thing that we watched for this show. Galavant. What was that? Galavant. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I Eric, have you watched not, Galavant? But, uh, uh, you told me about it, and then I think I started watching it, and then I, I stopped, but I guess I have to go back <laughs> to it. <laughs> and then we didn't. Yes, <laughs> I started watching it, and then I stopped. I've lived more in my time with you than I did during the previous two decades. Who has had a life like mine? I have you now, nameless human. I, sir, am Professor Eustatius Jericho, Scourge of Scoundrels. I wish I'd written that autobiography. What a good title. By the wrath of thunder, I will now execute you. I really don't think you're going to have time. Well, I uh, can't tell you how happy I am that you made some time to, to sit with us and try to parse uh, Flux because it's one of those conversations where I think we're going to have as fans, I don't think it just, <laughs> we talked about it and then we stopped, but I think we're going to go back to it. Uh, I think it's one of those things where we're going to be talking about this season uh, for a long time to come and that might be 
in a good way. Uh, probably not for a while. We'll see how the rest of this year shakes out. But uh, I hope that three three specials from now, you'll be willing to come back with us and, and uh, chat about what you thought of Chibnall's run as a whole. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. We'll see how they stick the landing with these last three uh, three episodes. And very and by that point too, once the last episode, presumably a year from now, we'll we'll have a much better sense of what direction they're going. I'd be very curious if they actually withhold the identity of the actor who's going to play the next Doctor until that episode of the regeneration. That would be, be so cool. I think it'd be very cool if they did that. I don't think the BBC can do that just because it's such a ratings boost because they've got specials the announcement specials and they're getting all the covers it's just a way to get advertised but here fingers crossed here's hoping that it comes as a surprise to us yeah i know it's funny in davies's book too he talks about the fact that it drove him crazy that bbc couldn't keep a secret about anything mm-hmm. also because it's like it's a because it's a public company it's a news organization when when they'd be asked a question you know they had to say yes <laughs> you know if it was true they couldn't like evade anybody it was like they weren't you know they weren't a private company we shall see we shall see well thank you again yeah always fun to come on and thank you for joining us on who and company who and company come for the fandom stay for the company thanks for joining us at who and company Special shout-out to PixelWho for providing our logo. They can be found at Facebook.com slash PixelWho. Who and Company can be found on iHeartRadio.com and Spotify. Or you can download the show directly from whoandcompany.libsyn.com. Contact us on Twitter at whoandcompany. Support the show on Patreon.com slash whoandcompany. Or email us at whoandcompany at yahoo.com. Thanks, and see you next month. Doctor, your existence is becoming too unstable. I fear it will destroy you. Refreshment?